You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Transform Talks. As some of you may know, today is International Women's Day, and around the world, people are celebrating the economic, political, and social achievements of women past, present, and future. So, I thought it would be only right for us to do the same here at Transform Talks. You know, women have come such a long way since the first International Women's Day was celebrated over a hundred years ago. But, there's still a long way to go yet. In fact, statistics by the UN show that women continue to do two-thirds of the world's working hours, yet only earn 10% of the world's income. How is that even possible? Well. I remain hopeful that if we continue to work together and bring attention to this fantastic cause, we'll soon be able to see those numbers head in the right direction. One way to do that is to highlight successful and inspirational stories of women in the supply chain industry. So, on that note, and in honor of International Women's Day, we're doing something a bit different for this week's episode. We've put together some of the most memorable moments from my conversations with female guests we've had on the show in the past 12 months. So without further ado, let's get started. We start with episode 140, which featured the wonderful Sherry Heinisch, the supply chain queen, and Justin Goldston of Penn State University. I invited the pair onto the show to discuss how we should deal with the overwhelming amount of emerging technology. Justin started off by speaking about the importance of figuring out your priorities as an individual or as an organization. Following this, I got Sherry to share her thoughts. She ended up providing a fascinating perspective, and as you're going to hear, Sherry says that she prefers to focus on the things that allow her to get out of bed in the morning as opposed to focusing on the problems caused by information overload. I, I like I like where Justin was going in that we have to oftentimes step back in the midst of chaos and firefighting in, in as supply chain leaders and start with the end in mind. And I think that what often happens is that people get bogged down and they forget, you know, in the midst of um, things that keep us up at night to think about what gets you out of bed every morning and start with that envisioning and reimagining that there's a better way. And how, how might we work together, not only within our organization, but within our ecosystem to realize all of those things that maybe are on the list that maybe we haven't really figured out yet, but working together and collaborating to create a better world, a sustainable world, in my opinion, that's what I talk about a lot. The other thing too is um, the coalition of the willing. And I think that another thread that, that I wanna pull on Justin highlighted is that people have to believe that change is possible and they have to be willing to take that first next step and none of that has to do with technology. It has to do with human beings, um, maybe not even being passionate, but certainly having the will to change and feeling like that it's in their grasp and that they have the ability within their, their, their scope of role or within their scope of influence to make that happen. 
I really loved Sherry's outlook on this topic. You could argue that a glass half full approach is always the way to go, but when we think of the issues that we've had to face in the last few years and the uncertainty that lays ahead, perhaps now more than ever, we need to adopt that sort of mindset. Next up, we have an excerpt from my conversation with the CEO and founder of Queen of Raw, Stephanie Benedetto. Now, when we speak about female leaders, we're often guilty of treating them as one homogenous group, when the reality is that every single one of them has their own unique story to tell. At no time was this more evident than during my conversation with Stephanie. During the episode, she shared a fascinating story about her grandfather and how the work she's doing with the Queen of Raw is building on his legacy. Do you know, I, I was chatting to someone a long time ago on one of the podcasts talking about the definition of circularity and mm -hmm. what does it actually mean? And they put it in a way that was really interesting to me, which was, well, it's kind of the things that our great grandparents used to do. You know, it's the way that the, I bet you going back to the fact that you, your great grandfather was probably running this, you know, a hundred years ago, the wastage, there was no real wastage. It was always was, it, things were reused. And when I look at you know, some of my, my grandparents or, you know, the way that things have been done, you're absolutely right. Nothing gets really thrown out. It gets reused to something else. Absolutely. And they didn't do it. My great grandfather, you know, that's exactly what he did. He came over on a ship from Austria. He landed at Ellis Island in 1896 and he settled in the Lower East Side and he was an immigrant chasing the American dream. And he didn't have a penny to his name. He had to make a living for his family. And that's exactly what he did what he did. Find materials and supplies nearby old fabrics and furs and things immigrants had brought over yeah. on the ships, right? Yeah. Repurpose them by hand into the most beautiful haute couture fashion garments and sell the local customers. And a lot of his outfits I still wear a hundred plus years later, but he didn't talk about it as sustainability. It's what made economic business sense, right? Minimal waste, minimal toxins, because your bottom dollar depends on it. And I think that's where we need to get back to, of course, supply chains are much more complex than my great grandfather's day. But let's use technology, blockchain, machine learning in order to help businesses do that kind of a business model. And they have to, because look at where the future is going, right? In the future supply chain. I think it's going to be the world is asking for things that are more on demand, more local, more digital, more sustainable. And the ones who get that and innovate, they're the ones who dominated in value creation, right? Through the pandemic, I think. According to the latest McKinsey report, it was companies like Nike, LVMH, ThreadUp, Herring. And these are the ones who are leading in these kinds of circular business models. In the introduction, I made reference to the fact that we as women still have a long way to go before we're able to say that we're truly equal. One way in which I believe that we'll be able to speed up that process is by supporting one another. After all, if we wait around for others to help us, we might end up waiting a lot longer than we'd like. So in this next excerpt, we see the perfect example of what happens when women support other women. Kathleen Chan from Calico speaks about what it's like securing investment from tennis superstar Serena Williams. Now, one of the things that's pretty fascinating, there's a lot of things fascinating about what you're doing, but it, tell us a little bit about some of the investors you've attracted, particularly <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> No, particularly one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't play favorites, but you know, for us, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that we you know we we started late 2020, uh, dived headfirst into an accelerator, and then very quickly came out and raised our first formalized uh, institutional round of funding. And uh, you know, through quite a grueling process, we, we were able to attract um, 
the eye of a phenomenal human being. Her name is Serena Williams. She had actually started her venture fund. In case you live under a rock, this is Serena Williams, the uber-famous, amazing woman tennis player. Yes, yes, that's her. It's the one and the same. Uh, <laughs> but she's, you know, she... You know, she has a venture fund. She immediately resonated with the product. She herself actually has her own brand that she had, you know, grown from you know zero to where it is now, and um, just immediately understood the problem. And that, for me, regardless of uh, her background, who she was, that to me was was key and incredibly important because um, she understood it. You know, she got it. She like she she herself had, had faced the same problems, and so um, there was an instant connection. She uh, very quickly came into our realm, led it. Um, and we, you know, we now have the very f- fortunate opportunity to have her as one of our esteemed investors. So um, that that for us is, I think, a, a lovely checkbox because, I don't know, fun fact here, only only about, I think the, the number was less than 2% of venture capital funding goes to women. So yeah. that was a, yeah, that was a, a, a real, like, just a real humbling moment when I realized that. Um, humbling and just interesting in general. Now, before we move on, if you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I would really love to listen back to the full episodes that I'm referring to. Well, don't worry. We've included all of the details to the full episodes in the description. Diversity, very much like sustainability, tends to be a subject which is, I don't know, spoken about in such esoteric terms. Basically, everyone knows that we need to be making moves to improve on this, but they either don't act on it, or maybe they just don't know how to do it. Dana van der Heide has shown that it's possible to have a truly diverse company in logistics. As she explains, sometimes the answer is as simple as just really trying your best. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I'm still surprised sometimes that's even still a debate. So I'm an avid believer in diversity, of course. You know, it's one of my personal priorities to show the world that we can do it. Uh, And I think that's that's the interesting notion. You know, when we started Passive Perform, a lot of people said, oh, great, you have like a 50-50 kind of male and female founder. I have a co-founder and our CEO. But I kept thinking, you know, actually it's, it's possible to have a really diverse company in logistics and find more nerds like myself and female and from all sort of backgrounds and ethnicities um, to, to have passion for what we're doing. So we're quite proud of it. And we managed to build a company now where I think we have like over 20 different nationalities, 16 different languages that we are speaking. And I always say, obviously, you know, like we're optimizing for 50% female if we can, you know, we, you cannot, um, put it at the risk to not be fair to everyone but we managed to do so some offices more than others obviously depending on the function that we're in but we are truly a diverse team and uh, i would uh, never give up on that because uh, i feel everyone that has the opportunity to build their own teams should be a role model and show the world that it's possible you know if you really put your mind to it and it's actually not that hard uh, everyone is looking at me and say wow how did you do it i don't think it's that hard you just have to find Uh, people that are passionate and, you know, excite them about what you're doing. And then you will always find um, kind of diverse teams, but you you really got to try. And finally, just last month, I spoke with Louisa Loran. I enjoyed my conversation with Louisa so much that we ended up releasing a special two-part episode. Part one, focusing on the work Louisa is doing with Google, and part two, looking at her approach to leadership. In this final clip, 
Louisa opens up on the challenges of being both a mom and a leader, and why, with the help of technology, she's now able to do both. I would say I do believe I'm a good example. I'm a leader. I'm defining uh, certain parts of Google's product strategy. I'm defining our uh, industry solutions. I'm working with the biggest companies across the world. And I'm at home in Denmark, the smallest corner of the world. And I'm at home because I have two kids. They're 10 and 12. They need their mom. I'm divorced, so they're here every second week. I can't live in California one week and one week here. But I'm able to connect with people everywhere around the world. Of course, I travel occasionally. But technology has enabled collaboration in a whole other way. And therefore, it is possible to both be a caring mom who's present and engages in life and even extracurricular activities while also being driven. So that's it for this week's special International Women's Day edition of Transform Talks. Before I let you go, I want to thank each and every single one of you for listening. More importantly, though, I also want to thank those of you who continue to show strong support for equality. Regular listeners will know just how passionate I am about promoting equality and female empowerment. Rest assured that my team and I will continue to work hard to ensure that we are able to provide a platform for diverse voices and for the stories that need to be heard. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, well, please do so, because I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca, and if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. I'll tell you it doesn't stand for podcast. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead, and as always, for those of you listening, I will catch you at the next one.